G'day, my name is Jeff. It's my great privilege to look with you once again at this book of Ephesians. Today, chapter 2, verses 11 to 22. Can I encourage you to have a Bible open so we can look at it together, read through it together, think about what it means and how it applies to us. We'll also help you to have the outline of the talk on the service program. Let's pray and we'll ask God to help us. Our gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for being able to be part of your church. Thank you that we can be united with Jesus and the apostles and all of your people throughout time. Thank you that we can meet together as Chatsworth Presbyterian Church. And thank you for the technology of Zoom that allows us to do so at the moment, even despite this COVID-19 crisis. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you help us to delight in being part of your church. And we thank you very much for your word. We pray that you help us to understand what your word says today so that we can grasp deeply in our hearts your magnificent grace to us, what a privilege it is to belong to your church. We pray that as we understand your word and take it to heart that you'll set us free to live as your holy and blameless children. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. The other day I was talking to a friend of my daughter's and I was asking her about school. I asked her about uh, the, 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 the friendship groups that are there in her school and she described various kinds of groups, the, the, uh, the cool group, the, 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 the makeup group, the handball group, the computer game group and the, the, the sit around and talk about boys group. I said to her, and, uh, and what group are you in? She said, me? Oh, I'm in the nerdy Asian group. We study and we play piano. I had to laugh because although you might not expect it with this face, for most of my time at school, I was also in the nerdy Asian group. Back in 1975, when I was in infant school in Carlingford, there was a terrible persecution against the Chinese people in Malaysia. And so as a consequence, many Malaysian people, many Chinese people from Malaysia, they fled Malaysia and they came to Sydney. A couple of kids from Malaysia who came back in 1975 and they came into my year two class. We became very close friends. And then we actually moved together from infant school into primary school and then from primary school into high school. They were good friends, those guys. And I felt included in their friendship group. I felt like I belonged, even though I had the wrong colour and couldn't play piano. I felt like I belonged with these guys. Were you part of a friendship group at school? Were you, uh, were you maybe part of the cool group? Or the, 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 the sporty group? Or the party group? Or maybe you two were in the nerdy Asian group. There is something very comforting about belonging to a group, isn't there? It's, it's actually it's an important part of life. It's important for us to have the sense that we, that we belong, that we have a place. So far in his letter to the Ephesians, Paul has told them the... He's talked about the magnificent things that God has done for them in the Lord Jesus Christ. From, 
from eternity past, God chose and predestined them. When Jesus came, he redeemed and forgave them, and he's shown them his great plan to unite everything under the lordship of Jesus. From eternity to eternity, these people are saved by the Lord Jesus Christ, loved by God, signed, sealed, and delivered by God's Holy Spirit. And Paul has shown them the, the massive contrast between life without Jesus and life with Jesus. The Ephesians without Jesus, they were dead in sin. They were led astray by the, the deadly influences of the world and the devil and the flesh. They were, like all of us, by nature objects of God's wrath. But now through Jesus, they've been made alive. Now through Jesus, they've been saved from God's wrath. Now through Jesus, they look forward to being in Jesus' eternal kingdom. It is an enormous contrast. And now in this next section of the letter, Paul again draws a contrast. Once again, he contrasts the situation of the Ephesians without Christ with what they now have in Christ. But this time... This time, it's all about the idea of belonging. The idea of belonging. Most of the Ephesians, they were not Jewish. They were what's called Gentiles. And Paul starts off, by this, starts off this section by, by picturing the situation of these Ephesian Gentiles without Jesus. And it is not a good picture. Paul says that they were separated from, they had, they had no connection with the Christ, the, the Messiah, the King of Israel. He was not their king. Paul also says they had no connection with God's people, the, the, the Jews, the people of Israel. They, they were not part of God's Old Testament people. And as a consequence, they weren't included in any of, his, any of God's great promises to save his people or to bless his people. These, these Ephesian Gentiles, they had no hope for the future, no hope except to be defeated and destroyed by King Jesus when everything is united under him. From the perspective of the Old Testament, the Ephesian Gentiles, they had no relationship with God. They did not belong with God or with his people. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 11. Have a look with me. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 11. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. I wonder if you've had the same experience as me on this. You... you you try to talk to someone about Jesus and they don't have any great objections to what you're saying. They seem okay with it all, but they just don't care. They can't see the relevance. Have you ever had that experience? I'm finding it happens more and more commonly. Why do you think it is? Well, I suspect... It's because people don't realise the truth of these verses. They don't realise that when it comes to God, they don't belong. 
The other day, my family and I watched a movie, an Australian movie. It was called uh, Kenny. Kenny is a, uh, it's a mockumentary about a bloke called Kenny. Kenny, he's, he's an ordinary Australian kind of battler, an ordinary, ordinary Australian bloke, and his job is to hire out and then look after portable toilets for, for events and so on. Now, Kenny has a pretty lowly job. But as it turns out, as you work your way through the film, you find out he, he really is a very fine man. He is patient, kind, thoughtful, honest. He's a diligent worker, a, a faithful son, a faithful father. He has a, a lovely sense of humour. The film had what I thought was an excellent message. Excellent message. The bloke who cleans your toilets may well be a better person than you are. The bloke who cleans your toilets may well be a better person than you are, so don't be too quick to judge. Good film, uh, good message, I highly recommend it. But in the film there's also a thread of theology. A thread of theology, and I think it's I think it's very revealing in terms of the Australian mindset. Unfortunately, Kenny's marriage has broken up and his ex-wife is portrayed very negatively. She's portrayed as a crazy, angry, bitter, awful person. Now, at one point, Kenny uh, comes and he picks up his son for a visit, takes his son for a drive to see, to see his dad. Uh, his son is in the back of the car and, and then his son pipes up out of the blue and he says, Dad... Are you going to hell? Kenny says, Am I going to hell? No, I'm not going to hell, not as far as I know. Why is that? Because mum said you don't believe in God. Mum said I don't believe in God and that's why I'm going to hell. Now, by this time in the movie, you realise how utterly absurd the idea sounds. Kenny is a good bloke. And the idea that someone like him would go to hell, it is, it's disgusting. It's, it's offensive. It's ridiculous. It's the sort of thing that only a crazy, bitter ex-wife would think. I reckon it's very revealing of the Australian mindset. Deep in our hearts, we Australians, we think we're okay. We we think that we are good, honest, hardworking people. Deep in our hearts, we believe that God should and he will accept us. We, We believe that we do belong with God, even if we don't particularly believe in him or, or, or give him a second thought. And so, we can't see the relevance of the gospel. We don't understand our profound need for Jesus. Friends, as ridiculous, as offensive as it may sound to Australian ears, the Bible is perfectly clear about it. This this passage in Ephesians is perfectly clear about it. You don't belong with God. Not just because you don't believe in him, 
Nobody belongs with God because we are sinners. We've never given God the worship and love and obedience he deserves. God, God made us. God sustains our every moment. God gives us everything we are and, and have. And in return, we have ignored him and rejected him. And the sad and terrible reality is, it's now this, we don't belong with God. Without hope and without God in the world. Now, the Bible does say that God did graciously choose some people to belong to him back in the Old Testament. But it wasn't Australians. It was the people of Israel, the family line of Abraham, as we've seen in the book of Genesis. And so, friends, as offensive as it might sound, here's the reality. You, if you're not a Jewish person... You're not invited to the party. Have you ever had that experience? There's, there's a big party on. All the people you want to be part of are invited, but, but, but you're not invited. That's you when it comes to God. Without Jesus, you're not invited. Without Jesus, you, you're not picked for the team. Have you ever had that experience? The, the captains are, are, are choosing their teams, but you get left on the benches. That's you when it comes to God. You're not invited onto the team. Without Jesus, you don't belong. Now, this, this whole concept, it was vividly illustrated in the Old Testament. It was vividly illustrated in the construction of the temple. The Old Testament temple, it, it was nothing like our church. I mean, our church, we've got, we've got a big sign out the front, hopefully one day you'll get to see it again. We've got a big sign at the front and it says, Welcome to Chatswood Presbyterian Church. The temple was nothing like that. With the temple in the Old Testament, there was also a sign. It said this, No foreigner is to enter. Whoever is caught will have himself to blame for his subsequent death. Not exactly welcome to church, is it? As far as the Old Testament is concerned, Gentiles like the Ephesians, they did not belong. They didn't belong to God. They didn't belong to God's people. And... And, and if they wanted to join up with God's people, well, that, that was no easy process. First, if you were a bloke, it meant you had to get circumcised. Not pleasant. It also meant you had to change all sorts of stuff in your life. You had to have a totally new diet, stated in kosher. You had to change the... The, the way you shave your beard, the way you dress. There were all sorts of new rituals, all sorts of new holidays, all sorts of new behaviours. And, and these new behaviours and rituals, they, they also meant that you could not associate with your family anymore. You had to leave your family behind. You couldn't eat with them. You couldn't hang around with them anymore. It meant you had to leave behind your friends. Basically, in order for a Gentile to become part of God's people, Israel, it meant changing everything. Everything. 
And as a consequence, very few people did it. The Ephesian Gentiles, they were excluded under the Old Testament from relationship with God or with his people. They did not belong. But now, Paul says, now through Jesus, that's all changed. Now through Jesus, there is this extraordinary, wonderful contrast. Now that Jesus has died for them, Paul says, Paul says they have been brought near. Near to God and near to God's people. Verse 13. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Paul now talks about how it is that the Ephesians have been brought near to God and his people. It's all happened through Jesus. Jesus came into the world and Paul says, Paul says, he set aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. What do you think that means? He set aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. Well, the law that Paul is talking about is the law of Moses, or more broadly, it's what's called the Mosaic Covenant. Israel were allowed to be God's people in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant. They were allowed to be God's people on the basis of a covenant that God made with Moses. And that covenant it included all kinds of laws and all kinds of regulations, circumcision, food laws, and so on. In fact, the rabbis reckon there are 613 commands in total. But, but when Jesus came, it says he, he set aside this law, he set aside this covenant, and he brought in a whole new covenant. How did it work? Well, Jesus, he fully obeyed the law of Moses. And, and he then died on the cross and rose again from the dead to fulfill and set aside and supersede that old covenant. Covenant. The, the, the whole system of being Jewish and having priests and a temple and a sacrifice, it is fulfilled and surpassed by Jesus. The whole system of the, the Ten Commandments and the other 603 commandments of the Old Testament, it's all finished. It's not, it's not the way you can be God's person anymore. Now through the Lord Jesus, there is a whole new way, a, a new covenant. In this new covenant, which was actually promised in the Old Testament, people are forgiven and they're given God's Holy Spirit and so they are made God's people forever. All of this, Paul has said, is accomplished by Jesus. He set aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. Think about this new covenant, though. It's for anyone who trusts Jesus. You don't have to be Jewish anymore. You don't have to be a descendant of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. You don't have to be circumcised or, or, or eat kosher or not shave your beard at the side. Anyone who trusts in Jesus, Jew or Gentile, can be forgiven and be part of this new covenant. And so, Paul writes, Jesus has brought reconciliation. A reconciliation between Jew and Gentile. They are now one new covenant people in the Lord Jesus Christ. And reconciliation between both of them and God. Verse 14. Verse 14. For he himself is our 
peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. Paul goes on to say that through Jesus' death and through the preaching of the good news about Jesus, Jesus offers peace. Peace to Jews, peace to Gentiles, peace with each other, and peace with God. And through the new covenant and the gift of God's promised Holy Spirit, anyone who relies on Jesus can have access to God. We can be with God by faith now in and through the Lord Jesus and by the gift of God's spirit uniting us to Jesus. And soon when Jesus returns in person, we will have direct access to God face to face. We will belong with him forever. Verse 17. He came and preached peace to you who are far away, the Gentiles, and peace to those who are near, the Jews. For through him... We both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Right into the Holy of Holies, to use Old Testament language. With Jesus, it's a whole new deal. Jesus has put out the welcome mat. In Jesus, we we are invited to God's party. In Jesus, we are chosen to be on God's team. Both Jew and Gentile can belong with God. And so, so what that means for the Ephesians is this. They're not excluded anymore. They're part of a whole new people of God, a people of God that uh, it actually transcends time and death and, and, and even this earth, a people of God that are gathered around him in the heavenly realms. Jesus is the cornerstone. The, the apostles and prophets who proclaimed the original authorised message about Jesus, they, they are the foundation. And then people like the Ephesians and, and people like you and me, we are part of the building, part of the temple, part of the, part of the family, filled with God's Holy Spirit. They are fully-fledged members of the people of God, Verse 19, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Okay. Can, can you see what's here in this passage? Can you see the, the, the contrast? Without Jesus, the Ephesians, they don't belong. They don't belong with God. They don't belong with God's old covenant people. They are strangers foreigners, outsiders, without hope and without God in the world. But Jesus has come. He has 
fulfilled and surpassed that old covenant. And so now with Jesus, well, the Ephesians do belong. Under God's new covenant established through the death and resurrection of Jesus, they are reconciled to God. They are reconciled to God's people. They are fully-fledged members of God's new covenant people filled with God's Holy Spirit. They now belong in the eternal family of God. The contrast could not be any greater. Brilliant news. All right. Oh, well, let's think about this. Uh, let's think about applying this passage to ourselves. Now, of course, the first and most important application of the passage is this: we've got to put our faith in Jesus. Jesus is the only one who can give us peace with God. Jesus is the only one who can bring us into God's family. We need to rely on Jesus. This is not irrelevant. This could not matter anymore. You are without hope and without God in the world, without the Lord Jesus Christ. You, you must, you must rely on him. Put your faith in him. Ask God to forgive you through him. Ask God to, to accept you as part of his people because of Jesus and his death and resurrection. There's the fundamental application. But, but I want us to think for a moment today about this concept of belonging, because I think it's really quite special and, and, and really comes out so clearly in this passage. If you're trusting in Jesus, you belong. You belong with God and with his people. And I just want to quickly draw out a couple of implications. Now, first, for us as individuals, as individual people, as I said at the beginning, it, it, it's a natural and an important part of life to want to belong, to want to, to, want to identify with a group. But you know what? It, it does come with a dark side. This, this need to belong, it can turn us into people pleasers, can't it? We're, we're like puppy dogs. We'll, we'll do whatever it takes to, to impress or be accepted by people. Well, along similar sort of lines, our desire to belong, it can make us, be, it can make us succumb to, to peer pressure. We do stuff that we would never otherwise do because we long to be accepted. I have to admit, uh, later on in high school, I, I made a stupid decision. I, I, I drifted away from the Asian group and, and I joined up with another group. Now, they were a much more rebellious group. They didn't do any study. They just drank and took drugs and chased girls and partied and whinged about school. I, mean, I, I, did, uh, I, I did all kinds of stupid things to try to belong in that group. And although I did make a couple of very good friends, overall it was, it was very bad for me. My, my, my people-pleasing, my, my succumbing to peer pressure, my desire to be part of this, this group of people, it, it, it was not good for me. People-pleasing, peer pressure. Well, here's another dark side of our need to belong. Sometimes the way that we define the identity of our groups is by excluding people. We, we strengthen our own sense of belonging and we strengthen our kind of superiority and desire to be in the group by not allowing some people to join us. Now, I'm sure that we all experienced the dark side of belonging when we were at school. 
But it doesn't end at school, does it? We can very easily become adults who, who suck up to the people we want to belong with and who disdain the people we don't want to belong with. Our need to belong, it does have a dark side. It's not, it, doesn't make us, it doesn't make us better people. But what if we could really take the truth of this passage to heart? What if we could deeply grasp what it means for us that we belong? That we belong with God and his people on the basis of God's sheer grace through Jesus. I mean, it is pretty wonderful, this belonging, isn't it? You and I, we don't just belong at Chatsworth Presbyterian Church. No, no, this is way bigger and better than that, isn't it? We belong in the heavenly temple. We belong in the heavenly household of God. We belong to a pretty extraordinary family. Jesus is in our family. Peter and the other disciples in our family. Paul and Luke and Mary and Mark and the other early Christians in our family. Not to mention, as we build up Augustine and Luther and Calvin and John Knox and Susanna Wesley and other faithful Christians throughout the centuries, we belong with them. We have a place with them. We are accepted in that company. We are part of a a story, God's story of 2,000 years of church history, a glorious story in many ways. We, 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 have, we have a history, we have, we have a future, we belong. That, that's, that's good, isn't it? And, and friends, friends, if we could really grasp what it is to belong to God's heavenly church, do you know what? It ought to set us free. It ought to set us free from the constant need to please people. It ought to set us free from the need to to go along with the crowd so we can be accepted. It ought to set us free from the need to exclude others to make ourselves feel better. The fact that we belong, it should change us as individuals. It should give us a humble confidence. We're not better than anyone else. But through Jesus, we know we have a place we know we belong that ought to set us free this should change us as individuals and friends it should also change us as a church at Chatsworth Presbyterian Church we are part of something much bigger than ourselves we are part of God's heavenly new covenant people we're all of us who trust in Jesus, we are part of this spiritual building that, that the Bible talks about. Jesus as the cornerstone, the apostles as the foundation, and, 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 and Jew and Gentile throughout church history built into this, into this building. And, and If that is who we are as a church, if that is what we are part of, if that's what we are kind of a visible earthly representation of, our little group of people here at Chatswood, we're not just a group of people who happen to gather on Zoom or hang around in a building together. No, no, no. We are part of something amazing. 
And, and if we can see ourselves in that light, well, again, it, it should have all kinds of implications. Let me, let me just quickly give you three. First, we ought to be a welcoming community. We should be a people who declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. We should be open to, to the world. We, we should call on people to join us in our joyful, gracious belonging. Second, we should be a community of equality. We all belong for the same reason. It's, it's not because of what we do. It's not because of where we're from. It's not because of, of how we look. It's not because of how smart we are or, or how godly we are. It's not, not because of anything about us. Our place in church comes to us by grace alone through the Lord Jesus Christ. We are all members on the same basis and there's, so there's just no room to feel superior. There's no room for favoritism. There's no room for anything like that. There should be, there should be a profound equality in how we relate to each other. Third, we ought to be a community of gratitude, a community of people who feel a deep sense of of, of privilege that we belong. I hope you never feel like you're doing people a favour by being part of church or, or doing people a favour by serving or something like that. We should be, we should be people who, are, who, who, who joyfully serve and love and worship as if it's a great privilege. We shouldn't be a people who whinge and grumble and complain like the rest of the world. No, no, no. We should be a, a community of people who joyfully serve. Friends, this is good news, isn't it? This is life-changing news for us as individuals and for us as a church. Here it is, the magnificent news. Through Jesus, you belong. Let's pray. Almighty God, our gracious and holy Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that by your magnificent grace you have given Jesus to shed his blood and set aside the old covenant with his commands and regulations. We thank you that by his life and death and resurrection, Jesus has brought in the new covenant so that we are forgiven and given your Holy Spirit. And thank you that this is now available to all people, Jew and Gentile. Thank you for calling us to be part of your amazing heavenly people. Thank you for uniting us not only to yourself, but to the Lord Jesus and the apostles and, and Christians throughout history. Lord, thank you that we belong to such an amazing group. We pray that as we, as we grasp this deeply, it will change us as individuals to be people who have a humble confidence. And we pray that you will change us as a church to be a, a, a welcoming and a joyful and a faithful community who love and serve the Lord Jesus Christ and declare his praises to this world. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.